Welcome to the Monocle Podcast. We are an independent management consulting firm, and in this podcast, we discuss our latest insights and opinions to help you achieve exceptional performance in banking and insurance together. Welcome to the Monocle Insights Podcast. I'm Guy Wilding, Research Lead at Monocle. Following the pandemic, financial service firms around the world have committed themselves towards the digital transformation of their businesses. Effective data migration becomes a significant factor as to whether benefits will be realized. And from a financial services perspective, the sheer volume of data alongside its sensitive nature makes data migration a significant operational risk. This was the case for the UK's TSB Bank in 2018, whose internet banking, mobile app and branch channels were disrupted and in some cases unusable for a significant portion of their customers over several weeks. The IT outages came from an unsuccessful bank-wide migration and once the dust settled, cost the bank £300 million and 80,000 customers. Take a listen to Paul Pester, then CEO of TSB Bank, remark on the risk of the migration as he answers questions from the UK's Treasury Committee in May 2018. The migration has been our number one corporate risk since we commenced the program effectively. Specifically, the migration. building of a new platform, the moving of our data from the Lloyds platform to the new platform, and then the operation of that new platform. Uh, that has been, of course, at the top of our risk concerns all the way through this process. So it's the top designated risk in your bank, top of your risk register, and it's been a complete failure. Data migrations are highly complex with many elements to consider which makes no two migrations alike. On today's episode, we're joined by Lisa Waldhausen, Principal and Data Migration Specialist at Monocle, to discuss how to approach and ensure an effective migration and avoid migration mishaps of the past like the TSB Bank migration failure. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Hi Guy, thank you for having me and looking forward to it. So TSB's board went on to hire a law firm, Slaughter and May, to conduct an independent review of the migration, um, and that was published publicly. And the report offers a really interesting view uh, into a bank under enormous pressure. Uh, but one of the most significant issues that was raised in the report was the setting of ambitious but unrealistic timelines that ultimately took on too much risk. So Lisa, how should financial institutions ensure that their migration plans are both feasible and achievable? So when it comes to these migrations, typically the deadline is tied to either uh, and very common in the financial sector is a regulatory imperative to say that you need to meet this regulation by X date. So in those instances, there's a hard and fast deadline. In other instances, what typically happens is a technology is selected. They go to the board or exco to say, listen, this is what we want to um, implement in the organization. They ask for a plan without understanding what it takes to do a migration or the role players or the different tasks. Both of these approaches typically result in a missed deadline, and that has quite a few negative impacts. The biggest impact is financial. So typically, I mean, going back to the regulatory example, the regulator will put forward a fine to the bank to say you've missed this um, this deadline. Something that's very, very common with migrations because it's not business as usual work. What you'll typically see is a lot of vendors and contractors floating around, which form quite a big part of your budget. So 
every month and every year that you expend, extend these projects, what you'll typically see is a massive growth of these costs. So that's the first really big impact is the financial impact. The next one is the technological impact. So when you have a system, it exists within an ecosystem. And the problem is also if these deadlines or, or if this project takes forever, what will happen is the ecosystem around this application will end up um, changing. So that means new integrations, new downstream impact and kind of redesign of project flows and, and reporting. And then ultimately, I think the biggest prob problem associated with a timeline that isn't met is unhappy board members, customers or stakeholders, really because their expectations weren't managed. Uh, so that's a risk behind it, but then what would we look at when we go set up a realistic plan? Um, how do we do that in the first place? The key drivers behind building a realistic migration plan are having an accurate grip of the migration complexity. Um, that alongside um, with understanding project dependencies, not everything can happen in the same time. So we need to make sure we know every dependency so that we can plan accordingly. And also absolutely critical is getting the effort estimations from the people actually doing the work. Something that I see very often is project managers or even team leads or company leads will put forward what they believe a development task would be without ever having written a line of code in their life. So really important to understand um, how long the work will take from the person doing the work's perspective. As Monocle Solutions, what we recommend is that before a migration plan is finalized or, or even kind of conceptualized, we recommend that we come in, we'll do an initial assessment to unpack some of the things that I've already spoken to. Starting with complexity, the main drivers behind migration complexity are, first and foremost, data volumes. So a migration of 100 customers versus a migration of 20 million customers is fundamentally different. Well, the next driver behind uh, complexity is data structures and the fundamental differences between the current and target applications. So sometimes you'll have a lift and shift migration where you have the same vendor or you're moving an existing database into the cloud where your data structures look relatively similar. You might be able to leverage something like a, an ETL tool like Avanitio, Informatica, SSIS um, to just effectively pick up your data Maybe you do one or two mappings and drop it on the other end. Whereas when you have um, a completely new system and vendor um, brought into your organizations, typically the back end of these systems look really different. Um, so their structures look different and that's really the, the IP behind their solutions. So they like them to be a bit different. The way that the data integrates across modules is different. So with that said, there'll be quite significant changes to your data that, that can't be dealt with in a lift and shift manner. The other thing is the environment, and I mentioned it earlier, the environment that you're working in. Are there many systems integrating with this application or are there, or are there one or two? What type of reporting are you doing with this system? You also have the data quality and nuance. The quality of your data will impact the complexity of the migration. So 
you need to ask yourself, are we going to have to clean up a lot of data? How are we going to clean up that data? By understanding the complexity, the gap between the current and the target system um, and the work to be done, we then enable the role players like the BAs, the developers, the solution architects to provide realistic timelines for the in individual components of this really quite mammoth task. Especially in terms of banks and, and traditional finance firms that have been around for so long. There's always these kind of dependencies that you need to consider. Yeah. And then once you understand that complexity, you, know, you build it into your plan. You can actually test those assumptions that you that you might have or those expectations that you might have and then actually put it grounded in reality. So, yeah, exactly. those are some great points. Great. So, I mean, from the TSB report, the bank ran into a significant number of bugs, uh, especially during their functionality testing that couldn't be closed out quickly enough. Um, and, and that's to be expected with a, a large migration, but it put more pressure on the rest of the project plan, which ended up descoping and in some cases deferring certain parts of the testing. What are the types of testing that are critical to a normal data migration? And how should you go about ensuring that your testing uh, is ultimately successful and can be completed on time? In a migration, there's typically... Um, there's a few types of testing um, and they're all equally important in their own right. So as you mentioned, there's functional testing, which is effectively the people that are building or developing the system. They go back and they build components and they go and check the system to say, is this working as I expected? Linked to that, you'll have something called UAT testing, which serves a very similar role, but it's from the perspective of a business person. This is followed by non-functional testing. So non-functional testing is different to functional testing in that it doesn't test the functionality itself, but more the performance, usability, and reliability of the solution and the functionality. Then you have the migration testing itself. And effectively, these are simulations of the migration prior to your actual production go-live date. Typically, we want these to start out quite a few months before your actual go live. So you're able to work through the issues surfaced in this event in order to um, ensure that you have a seamless production run. I mean, effectively, what we're trying to establish is, are we ex extracting, transforming and loading our data successfully? So that's kind of the core of a migration trial. But then there are some things to look at that fall out of strictly the movement of data that are also very critical that, that the migration trial enables. So this is to check things like, is my stand-in solution behaving effectively? So if we have to, for, it, for whatever reason, bring the bank down, is the system that we're using to collect transactions, is that collecting them cor correctly? Is it routing transactions co correctly? Once the system is back up, are, are um, the transactions actually moving to the right place? Are they going to the correct system? The next thing we want to check is, are we able to complete a month-end run? Um, can I complete my regulatory business and financial reporting effectively? Am I getting the types of results we want to see? So typically what we would do is compare data from on the legacy system and on this target system through the trial and say, are we getting the same results on both sides? Then the next thing you want to check is, am I able to effectively deactivate customers or accounts on my legacy system? So 
obviously once you've cut over to your new system, you want to make sure that all processes um, and information are being maintained on your target, not both systems at the same time. Yeah, great. I mean, you've touched on the testing side, which obviously would be close to the end of your migration project. And then, you know, we've spoken as well, you spoke about um, the project planning side and, and starting on the right foot with an assessment. What are some of the other um, controls or safeguards that you put in place um, to ensure that a migration goes uh, smoothly? So there are many levers that you can pull to ensure or to keep your migration as safe as possible. It's so important to note that every migration is nuanced. They all pose their own risks. So that's why it's important to have subject matter experts that have done this a few times to, to kind of bring out the, the things that happen again and again you can safeguard against. But it's also about using your business knowledge to really understand where can this go wrong and how do we put mitigation, um, sorry, mitigating actions um, up front. Another way we manage risk in a migration is to proactively engage our customer or any impacted stakeholder to say, listen, there is going to be some sort of interruption, plan your transactions around this. The next thing that's really useful, onboard new customers to the new system. So you have an opportunity to test out the system with very low volumes and non-complex customers. So it's kind of linked to the other lever that we like to pull in migration and that's through phasing it. So in a migration, you really have two choices. You can do a big bang migration where you take all your customers you and you cut them off your legacy system, you transform them and load them onto your target system in one go. So that type of approach is inherently extremely risky for a few reasons. First of all, you don't know if your uh, target system is able to handle the volume, so you're hoping that the whole system won't just co collapse under the pressure. There's a lot of things that can go wrong if you move it all over at once. So what I typically recommend to my customer is to phase or stage your migration. So what that means is you'll break up your um, legacy population into a few micro populations. So you would take, say, your 10 million customers and first you would trial or pilot the system through a migration of very low risk customers. And if all of that goes well, then you can move ahead to your most risky migration by then not only do you know the system and your solution is working, but you've done it so many times that you are in a better place to migrate these customers with the surety that you know that things are going to be okay in the end. And if anything goes wrong, you know how um, to handle that because you've become so comfortable with your target system and your solution that it's easier to fix than if you uh, were doing this for the first time. So then the next migration mishap that we're going to look at is uh, from Hewlett and Packard back in 2004. Uh, and they were looking at migrating over from their legacy order processing and supply chain system. Uh, but they did run into considerable difficulties that, uh, along with other factors in their business, led to a $400 million revenue shortfall uh, in 2004. I've got a quote from the CIO of HP, Jill Bouchard, uh, who was talking about what went wrong. And he says, it's a lot of little things that added up. There were a lot of data integrity problems. 
orders fell out between the legacy front-end system and our new back-end system, which required a lot of manual intervention. You know, if we look at at it from a financial services perspective, firms, including banks and insurers, are responsible for a lot of complex data uh, and as well as a lot of very sensitive data. And, and what are some of the considerations uh, when managing data integrity during a migration and what are the consequences if it's not done correctly? Data really is the foundation of most successful business processes. When you have incorrect data, what that results in is a customer potentially losing trust in your organization. You open yourself um, to many potentially negative outcomes, ranging kind of on the low end um, from complaints on social media to way more severe um, outcomes like the creation of real economic instability due to something like a run on the bank. So it's very important that in the migration process, considering, like you mentioned, all the sensitive data that we're carrying over, sensitive and, and, and comparatively less sensitive data, but that still has a similar outcome, um, it's really important that we manage the risk um, and the integrity of that data throughout the migration lifecycle. There are many, many ways to manage data integrity. First of which, and I mentioned it before, is to understand and remediate data quality upfront. So you need to know what you're working with. So what you want to do is put together a data cleansing plan. So you should always have some targeted level of data quality. It's not realistic to be 100% from a data quality perspective, but at least target usability, target your critical fields, Migrations are an awesome opportunity to do it because you have the budget, you have the eyes on it. Take this opportunity to clean up your data just for your your organization in general, but also to enable this process. I mean, you were talking about fixing those problems before you migrate them across. And a lot of these financial firms who are migrating are looking to reap the benefits of the system that awaits them and to bring that junk across is definitely not how you want to start um, with your nice new shiny solution exactly i mean i think the saying is rubbish in rubbish out the next thing i would look at is creating a proper um, paper trail through the migration process so that you can get a point in time view of the data as it progresses through the phases of the migration if something does go wrong from a data perspective, you can pinpoint exactly where it happened, who was responsible for that data. And this enables, of course, a better verification of your migration itself. The other important thing is to validate your data before you load it into the system. There's many, like I mentioned, many levers to pull, but one of them is to actually test, can my data conform to the target system? So you might have really good quality data, but you'll find yourself in a difficult situation where the data you have provided doesn't actually fit into the new system. So before you load, you want to validate, does it conform to the structures? And then the next thing you want to check is that you still retain your referential integrity. So then the next thing that we look at and is becoming more and more commonplace in the operation of organizations and banks, and that's the automation of all, if not most, of the migration process. You do this first and foremost to speed up the process, but second of all, you remove the opportunity for malicious data ma manipulation, meaning someone actually going in and fiddling with the data. 
and then just your stock standard human error. And then finally, another best practice for migration is to reconcile, especially financial data, at the key milestones in the migration. I should be getting the same results when I do um, financial reporting on this new system as I did on the legacy system. And if I'm not, why am I not? And I think like what you've been saying to is every migration is going to have specific areas that that need to be focused on. And I think having discussions like this and and getting your your insight on it gives us a little bit of a a peek behind the curtain of really how much is at risk and then how much effort and how much time needs to be spent making sure that it's done as successfully as possible the first time around. So yeah, Lisa, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and, and for sharing your insights. Thank you, Guy. And to our audience, please feel free to reach out via our various channels for assistance across our various migration capabilities. Our capabilities include migration strategy and road mapping, solution design and execution, and migration quality assurance. Our team has extensive end-to-end experience across different technologies and organizations, meaning that we will have the correct solution for you. From Johannesburg to London, Cape Town to Amsterdam, Monocle, we design change.